All right. So as Pat gets me back in the light, hey, welcome. I want to welcome just a few people. Um, if you're a first-time guest, I want to say a special welcome to you. If you're a returning guest, special welcome to you. Uh, some of the ways that you can learn about and connect to our church family, if you haven't done that yet, there's a desk out there uh, that's called the Welcome Desk. It's on the Gather Grow side of the the uh, church on this side. Make sure before you leave, especially if you're a first-time guest, you stop there. There's a gift waiting there for you that's just a gift from the church family to you to say, hey, we love you and we want to see you encouraged in your faith. If you're a returning guest, one of the things you can do if you haven't gotten there yet, definitely go there. But also, make sure you take some time to fill out the Connect card that's inside the bulletin. Um, let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know what's going on in your life. Now, that goes for all of us, not just first-time guests and returning guests, but this is one of the ways that we stay connected as a church family is we look at these every week. And so when you fill this out, and you don't have to, uh, look, if you're like, I don't want to give you my name, I'm okay with that. But if you're like, I need prayer, put your prayer here. And at the end of the service, we'll collect these. And we take this pretty serious. When you ask for prayer, we pray for what you ask for. But it's also a way for you to get connected and to know the church better. And we're excited you're here. We're going to continue and actually end a series that we started, believe it or not, over 13 weeks ago on the book of Daniel. And so if you're unfamiliar with Daniel, it's a book out of the Old Testament. And Daniel is a pretty amazing book. We've been enjoying this book now for 13 weeks. It's hard to believe, huh, church family? And as we've enjoyed this book, let me tell you some of the themes or things we've discovered in this book. We've discovered that God is our judge, literally from the namesake of Daniel. Daniel means God is my judge. We also learned that names are important in the Old Testament and that name dropping was an issue even back in their day. We've learned about visions and how God works in the visions and the interpretations of visions. We actually covered the fiery furnace, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We actually went there and you learned about what's called the but if not principle. God is able, but even if he doesn't deliver, he's still God and he is still good. We learned that God has a tendency to humble prideful people. And he did that in the book of Daniel, not only in the kings that were there, but also in those that were seeking after God. We also learned the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You got to see generational blessings and generational curses in the same book with a lot of different figures. We learned that there was a lion's share, which is reading the whole lion's den component that a lot of people understand coming out of the book of Daniel and how God is sovereign even in those moments. We learned that God can even humble a king to crawl like a beast in the field when that king needs to be humbled. We also learn that God's people can get sick and tired of the corruption of government and the things that are happening, but they learn what their role is in that of prayer and connection. And we even saw within Daniel's prayer, what an amazing prayer, that he had a prayer not only for his people, but for the other people groups around him in that time. And over the last few weeks, you've been learning some components about the end times from Pastor Danny, right? I heard he, he gave you all unloaded like a whole commentary on you last week of all the cool stuff that he had discovered about the end times in this book. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, is, if you haven't done it or you've never done it, um, at the Grow Desk, there, you can scan this uh, if you haven't done it yet, and it's a free subscription to something called Right Now Media. It is free. It's for anybody, okay? And it's right at the, the Grow Desk. And in this, there are like, I think, five or six studies on the book of Daniel. So if you want to go deeper, like this book has been like, this has been a cool book for you. 
You can scan this, get that. You can do it on your own. You can do it with a group. Uh, Some of it's video-based, and you'll really enjoy it, but it's free. And so if you want to continue to go deeper in the book of Daniel, that's one of the ways that maybe God's moving in your life to do that. So today, it's my honor to end this book with you, and here's what we're going to cover. We're going to actually talk about with ending with eternity in mind. And it's going to be in Daniel chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, you can open it there. We're going to look at the whole chapter, little pieces of it. But you're going to see at the end of this amazing book that Daniel is ending this book, and he's ending it with eternity in mind, and he's thinking about his people and all the people around him. I'll have the passage on uh, behind here if you don't have a Bible with you. There's Bibles in front of you, and of course, you can use the old faithful digital Bible as long as that's working for you. I'm going to use this one. I haven't used this one in a while. And I'm going to read along and you can read with me. But listen to what Daniel says as he ends this phenomenal book. Starting with chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects the people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has never happened before from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to, right, to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and left toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying it will be a time, times, and half a time. In other words, about three and a half years. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, many spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From that time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the twelve or the thirteen hundred and thirty-five days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. This is the word of the Lord, mm. and you can give some thanks to God, okay? Because that's some good stuff. So I'm going to break this down for you in some very tangible ways, because I don't know about you, but as I've studied this book and gotten into it and wish I had more time to actually study the book of Daniel, I have been amazed at the character of this guy. 
He's one of the few people when we read the Old Testament that God's got not got this thing where he's like, I like you, Daniel, but you jacked this up. That's normally the, the motif, right? David, you're a good guy. You've got a lust problem, right? I mean, like every character you can go through, it's like God's like, I, I like this, but you've got this going on. And you can see that almost in every biblical character. This guy is so unique. I mean, you see such character and such a depth of heart for God. And so as we're ending this series, I think he was so focused still not on himself because of his character, he was very concerned about the people. Here's, here's just a few things I think you can pull out of this chapter. The first thing is this, how we live affects eternity. How we live now affects eternity. There's a lot of things in our culture that are not eternal, and what's interesting to me is that Daniel was very focused on what was eternal in this chapter. As I was researching for the message today, I, I kind of went on Google and I said, okay, what are Americans known for? What are those that live in the United States known for? What are the things that we kind of put our energy and our focus toward? And I went to a research page and it was pretty apparent. I think you'll agree with these. Here are the things that Americans put their energy towards as a whole. And the first thing that we're most known for in all the world is our individualism. We are so focused on the one. And usually the one is me, right? Me. We're very focused on our individual rights and how those are set up. And there, there's some power in that, but... That's not something that you can really use to leverage for eternity, by the way. That's something that usually gets leveraged for the here and the now. We're very focused on personal achievement. In fact, the achievement that usually gets us the most accolades, the most attaboys, if you are, atta gals, okay? That's the things that we're most focused on. And it motivates us in how that we live. Work is something that's a priority. We are known for our, how much we work, okay? There are parts of Europe where they get like some serious vacation. What's the word they use in England for that? Holiday. I mean, they got some stinking holidays over there, right? And they even have nap time at work. Don't you want that at school, right? Okay. Nap time they've got sometimes just, I mean, they're not, no, but Americans are known for work and sometimes overwork. We're very known for our materialism. Wealthiest nation in the world. And we're very materialistic. And we're also extremely selfish with our time. You got it. We look at time as a hot commodity. Now, here's the problem. As you look at those centered around the individual, none of those lead to things that will last in eternity unless you can put a new lens on them and it can shift. Some of you know this, some of you don't know this. I was an engineer for about 10 years. And I came from an extremely impoverished family, if you didn't know that. And one of the things that shaped my life, right, wrong, or indifferent, but it did shape my life, was I wanted to finally get to a place where I could make some decent money, right, Bob? Make some decent money, support my family, and, and live out the American dream. You got it. And I got there, and then once I got there, I thought everything would be perfect and I would be happy. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. It didn't work, did it? Not that any of those things were bad in and of themselves, but they were so centered and so focused on me. The degree that I would get was focused on my accolades, not what I could do with it at that time. The job that I had was about being able to get enough stuff, right? And by the way, if you're like that, you never get enough stuff. You're never, you're never satisfied. 
And it was interesting, as, as God began to deal with me in this area and being prideful about having this thing, I realized none of those things, if I didn't shift them with a heavenly perspective, would matter because they're all gonna be gone one day. They really will be. Whether you lose them because you do something stupid, because I had some of that in me, and still do, or the Lord returns, which we're gonna talk about in a second, and he flattens everything out again, and all that stuff doesn't matter. That's why I love right in verse one, it says, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. He was saying to Daniel, look, all this stuff, all this stuff you're concerned about, the people that you're, you're serving, all that you're doing, none of it matters in the end if it doesn't make it into eternity. And you can take anything that you do, and if you focus it the right way, you can focus it from the now to the eternal. Had a friend who loved to coach baseball. Man, he was a great baseball, baseball coach. And he loved the kids that were in his world. But the problem is, those kids all rotated every three to four years, right? And once they rotated, many of those kids graduated from their faith, and they went on, and things got kind of messy. One day we were talking, I said, how often do you share your faith with them? How often do you share about your, your values? How often do you share about the things that really matter? Because you've got an, op- an opportunity when you're coaching that baseball team for every three to four years that as many of those kids might come to know Jesus as possible. And now, baseball has made an eternal difference. But if it's only focused on you, your accolades, and just teaching them to play that game, that's temporary. You've got to get to the place that it's an eternal focus. Is your name in this book that's referenced in Daniel? Do you know with certainty that your name is written in the book of life because of your relationship with Jesus? And then one day, you'll not only spend eternity with him, but you've brought friends as well that'll also spend eternity with Christ because of that. That's why I love verse three where he says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness, and righteousness has a name, the name is Jesus, they'll be like the stars forever and ever. Um, y'all know that we recently went on a mission trip. In fact, um, 27 or 25 of our folks, Tony and I made it back, 25 of our folks are still up in Buffalo uh, finishing up their mission trip. And uh, while we were there, um, I don't know if you realize this, but we're always on mission, no matter where we are. And when I was on mission up there, I ran into a, a gal named Debbie. And Debbie and I were sitting down, and we were having um, lunch one day, and she told me she was there with her um, cousin. Her name was um, Minga, if you pray for Minga. So I asked her about her faith, and she told me she came from Texas, and her and her cousin, who were, who were both widowed, uh, they were going to go around the country. They were hitting New York and doing this mission trip, then going over here, then coming down, seeing some cousins in Florida. They were, like, doing this loop. I don't know if you've ever done that. I think Barbara just got back from a loop, right, and bothered Pastor Bud down in South Carolina. Amen. So they were doing their loop, and uh, she says, but you got to pray for my cousin because she doesn't know Jesus. She's a smart gal. She's an educated woman, but she doesn't know Jesus. And as we're sitting there and talking, I, I saw Menga. I took note of her. You, you know who I went for the next day, right, at lunchtime? I found Menga. And while everybody else went in uh, to do whatever they were going to do, we had about a 30-minute conversation. And we talked together, and we talked about life. And I realized that Mingo's very far uh, from faith, which means Probably in that one short moment, I wasn't going to beat her into eternity, if you know what I mean. But what we were able to do in 30 minutes' time, with just praying and talking, was talk about becoming less resistant to the good news of who Jesus is and why she was really there, that she thought she was there just to help people. I said, maybe you're here for God to help you. Maybe in helping others, you're going to find that as you do that and you give out, that you might find God in a new way. 
And so I've been praying for her ever since. And her cousin, Debbie, said, please pray for her. Because this woman is a beautiful, wonderful woman, but she is not saved. In other words, her name is not written in the book of life. Now, why is this important today? Daniel, you find through this whole book, is consumed by the people that aren't in the book of life. His whole thing that eats him alive is the people of Israel who haven't quite gotten what it means to wait on the Messiah. And his whole focus was there. And if the church is to get back to the place that the church is supposed to be, every single person who is a part of the real church, the living church, Jesus' church, has to be focused on whose name is in the book and whose name is not. And we go after those with love and passion that we know don't have that name in the book. I love in the second part of 13, it says, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. You better believe that Daniel's allotted inheritance was each and every person whose name made it into that book because of his ministry and his life and his love. So the real question, and I'll put this in a New Testament way for you, the way Jesus put it, is where are you storing up treasure right now, church family? Where do you store up your treasure? Is it here on earth where Jesus said moth and what would destroy it? Moth and rust would take it away. Or are you storing up heavenly kind of goods where it will last for eternity? Recently at Riverfest, we hung out and uh, some of you said, how'd that go? Because I like finished Riverfest and I split on you. I know, sorry. <laughs> it's like vacation, yay. Okay, so we finished that and I was gone. But we handed out a thousand bottles of water we give away countless tattoos to children. We prayed with people on the streets right here in Seaford. Uh, the band was able to actually declare the name of Jesus from the stage using music in a powerful, wonderful way. And, and God impacted lives for eternity. And each and every one of you that either helped finance that, prayed for that, showed up for that, and served at that, you impacted lives in eternity. You did. Those that went to Eight Days of Hope, they are impacting lives for eternity. Those that you helped to give to that. Some of you financed kids to go. Some of the kids couldn't afford to go and you helped that to happen. You made a dent in eternity. And that's where our focus is supposed to be. And that's so deep in this chapter. The second thing I pull from chapter 12 is this. We'll all face death and judgment one day. We will all face death and judgment one day. Some of us sooner than others. Some of us surprised by how soon it will actually come. Verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust. That means dirt nap. Okay, I'll, I'll paraphrase that for you. In the earth, one day they're going to wake up. That's called the resurrection. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Death is one of the things that many people fear. And the reason they fear it is because they fear the unknown. For the Christian who walks in faith, it's not an unknown because they have a Savior who has faced death, went into the tomb, and came out three days later. We might fear the process of death, okay? That's not wrong, okay? Don't let me be in pain. Knock me out, on it, okay? But we don't fear death. The other thing that's happened recently in our culture when we look at this is while we shouldn't fear death, what our culture should truly fear is not the first death. They should fear what Jesus called the second death. And the second death is what Daniel is describing here when he talks about this idea of everlasting contempt. There's a word for everlasting contempt that has fallen out of vogue in our culture today. In fact, 
over 50% of Americans don't even believe in this place anymore. And the place of everlasting contempt is called what? Hell. Hell. It's a place of eternal judgment. It's a place where you know that there was a solution given to your sin by the person in the name of Jesus, and you rejected God's one and only solution, and so therefore you rejected God and his place in heaven, because what heaven is, if you haven't figured it out, it's not streets of gold, okay? That's, that's a paraphrase, okay? That's an allegory, okay? It's not a crystal sea, okay? That's an allegory. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there, that's the only thing that makes heaven heaven. Because when you get to see the one who saved you, that's heaven. The problem is when you reject that, you reject and separate yourself from the one that you're supposed to spend eternity with. That's what hell actually is. It's an everlasting separation. People are like, I don't believe in hell anymore. Well, here's the problem. If you believe in Jesus, you've got a major dilemma. Because Jesus talked twice as much about hell as he did heaven. Why would he do that? Because he shared the same heart that was supplanted in Daniel. He loved his people. He wanted for his people. He wanted to see them flourish. And he knew that if they rejected the one and only great news for the solution of their sin, they would spend eternity separated from God. With their soul burning for relationship with God, but they'd made a final decision that separated them from God. And that drove Daniel to always be asking questions you see in this book about, well, what about the peeps? What about the peeps? When is this happening? When, when is it going to come? What are the details? This is why he's asking all these, this stuff is because he's concerned about the people and his heart's burdened for them. Why did Jesus talk twice as much about hell? Because he's concerned for us. He worries for us. He's burdened for us. It's, it's family. It's why he died for us. Jesus died for us to spare us an eternity without him. The reason the good news is the good news is because of hell. And people have lost this in our culture. If you would spend an eternity separated from God in a place where the whole time you want to be with God but can't because you rejected God's one and only solution for your sin, that's awful. It's awful. But what makes it good is when you understand that Jesus knew that and so because of that he came and took the penalty for your sin and mine. In fact, there's an obscure part of the New Testament, it's really interesting, that says that Jesus, after his death, descended into what? Hell. He paid the full penalty, every dimension, every facet, every dynamic of it, so that you and I could experience heaven. This is the burden that's inside of Daniel. It's so interesting to me that we all will face death one day and right after death, Hebrews says, then the judgment. And the judgment that you and I will face will not be where we a good person. That was the conversation I had with Minga, by the way. We're having a conversation and she goes, I'm a pretty good person. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I know how bad I've been. <laughs> so I just, somebody that's been with the Navy, just asked about the Navy days. Yep, I, that put me out of heaven alone, okay? The Navy days did it. But when you think about it, is anybody ever really good enough for the perfection of heaven? None of us are going to make it on our own merit. God knew that. He knew he would always be frustrated trying to gain his favor and his love, so he sent Christ to gain it on our behalf. Daniel, what's beautiful is he doesn't know the exact picture and nature of Jesus, but he knows the Messiah is coming, and he's looking forward one day to how God will deal with his sin and his people's sin. 
He's looking at it from this way going, I don't know everything. You ever felt that way? But I know God's got it worked out and he's dealing with my sin and the sin of my people. And he knows that. I don't know what that is. It's like a battery thing. It happens toward the end of service every day. Okay, I don't know, every Sunday. You'll figure it out later, Justin. It's good. But he's looking that way. We look backward and we go, okay, that's what God did to save everybody. This is what God did to save me. And at some point in your life, you have to come to a place where you admit your sin. Did you see that in Daniel's life? You believe on God's only solution for your sin, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that he paid for your sin. And you commit your life to his care with all your being. We talk about that every Sunday. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Because when you've done that, man, neither God nor man has anything on you. So people ask me, how did Daniel get saved since Jesus wasn't born yet? He got saved the same way you get saved. The difference was you get to look backward on the moment Christ died for you. Daniel was looking forward to the moment that Christ would die for him. And he put all of his hope and all of his trust in that. That's why this is so beautiful, the way this pans out when you read it. Yep, yep. You got it? It's not his fault, by the way. Don't, don't, don't blame Justin. The sound guy is not to blame. I know you're feeling the stress of that. You want me to grab one of these? It happens sometimes. Tech cannot win. Number five. Number five will take us home. All right, here we go. So here's why this is so cool and so important when you begin to think about Daniel and this idea of the good news, because that's the third point, is those who are on mission only for a missional failure, they don't fear death. They don't fear death. They don't fear those in this world. They don't even really have that much to be concerned about in the life to come because they are so on mission, they don't have time to worry about it or think about it. And that's one of the things I know that was in Daniel. Listen to what it says. When Daniel asks all these probing questions, when he asks all this stuff to figure out about his people and he's worried about them, listen to the response he gets. As for you, go your way till the end. In other words, if I could paraphrase this into a modern way, if you were having a conversation with God and you were saying, okay, Lord, when's all this gonna happen? When are the details? Who's the antichrist? I know it's this president, but you're, you're trying to figure all this out and you're giving God all the details and you're trying to figure it out and I'm worried about my friends and I'm worried about my people and, and I don't know what's coming. You're throwing all this at God. God says, just keep on keeping on. That, that's, that, that, that's essentially what God says to Daniel. That, that's, 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 that's the Hebrew paraphrase for you for the Eastern Shore, okay? Just keep on keeping on. In other words, what God was saying to Daniel is, your life has been so on mission with who I am and how I'm expanding my kingdom. You have to change anything, Daniel. Just keep doing what you're doing. And when I'm done, I'll call you home. That's essentially what's happening here. In other words, you're never too old to be engaged in the mission and there's always a spot for you. One of my favorite moments in um, Buffalo this week was uh, George Hur. Y'all know George? Some of you know George. <laughs> I know George. Okay. So, so George is a fun guy, and I love George. Y'all know that George is in his early 70s? I have a picture of George on a ladder with a middle schooler holding it. Now, that's a picture of trust. If you've ever seen a picture of trust, okay? Because if George falls, yeah, that's, that's not good. But what I also love is there's George and it's his first mission trip outside of this area. And he's in his early 70s. God's advice to every single one of us, including me, is keep on keeping on. Be engaged in the mission. 
You're never too old. You're never too young. You're never, some people say to me, well, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any skills. Uh, somehow Donald Milam, y'all know Donald, our director of missions, right? And when we're at Eight Days of Hope, they said, any of y'all that are real skilled people, raise your hand. You're our leaders for this trip. Go in the back. And Donald grabs me and drags me to the back. I'm like, Donald, I am not a skilled dude. I can do chainsaw work, which is not skill work. Okay, I haven't lost a leg yet. And I can do flooring. And I know how to pray. These are my limitations of my skills, right? Unless you want like an RF microwave thing designed, I can do that. They drag me to the back, and the next thing I know, I'm leading something. George is the same way. It's just the idea of being available. And there's a lot of people like me at times and like you. I feel very out of my place there. When Tony starts grabbing power tools and starts building stuff, I'm like, okay, what do you want? What do I hold? Okay, I hold it in place. Hit it. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is, you know, that's, I'm not a fix-it guy. And you feel very inadequate, don't you? And some of you sometimes when we do mission trips, you go, I don't feel adequate. I don't have the time. I don't have the skills. I don't have the resources. And the whole point of this thing when he tells Daniel, just keep on keeping on. In other words, the, when you have the mission in mind, your bigger concern is I don't want the mission to fail and I know that I've got a part in it. I know I have a part in it. Um, Brother Mike, who's sitting at the go desk waiting for you to go over there and talk to him, right, about anything mission, because he'll get you going, okay? I never forgot the first time he told me his testimony. He said, the first time I ever went on a mission trip was at 50-something, right, Mike? And he's never stopped. In other words, keep on keeping on until God calls you home. And when you operate this way, you don't fear death. You don't fear the judgment. Because you're so engaged in the mission that Jesus has put you on this planet for that you don't have time to worry about that. And by the time time is done, you're the one that gets to hear that. Well done, good and faithful servant. What's that look like? It's the giving of your time and your talent and your treasure. It's all those things together. Some, some are in the back right now, giving in our children's program. A um, few, uh, when we had Mother's Day, y'all know I got saddled with middle schoolers, right? I have a love for them that makes me want to just say amen right now because when they ran long, I was ready to pull my hair out and some of your kids' hairs out, okay? Because that, that is a ministry that is for people that love kids, okay? And, and when they do that, and my, I was talking to my wife this morning about what she was going to teach, they do it because of the mission. They're doing it because they love the mission and they want to see kids' lives changed. When you operate that way and you invest your time in that way, you will never regret it. When you go on a mission with Mike to Nicaragua or, or you end up in Buffalo or you end up at Riverfest in Seaford or you end up helping somebody that's going to do a Halloween outreach in Laurel, right? Whatever you're going to do, when you do that and you do it because you want to engage people with this good news of how God's changed your life, you'll never regret it. And You'll not have to worry about the end times and all the stuff that's going around because you'll be so busy just doing the mission of God. And that's what is happening right here at the end of this book. It's what I see because there's so much end times stuff here we can unpack. And it's interesting when Daniel asks about the days and the numbers and the times, he asks the question that you ask. God's like, don't worry about that. You keep on keeping on. And when it's time for me to raise you from the dead, I will. I love the fact that when I was, I'll just give you a couple examples of some of this stuff. Guest services, I was talking to people who are serving guest services today. That's a gift of time. Our deacons and our trustees who do so much, it's an area of service for you. They give of their time. Those that serve in the children's ministry, the student ministry, the students themselves that went up and didn't know what they would do, but they said, I can paint, I can pull weeds. 
They're investing in eternity as they do that for the name of Jesus. Those that use their talents. One of the guys that blew me away, y'all know Phil. Phil Phil's such a goofball. Where's, where's his brother? Here he He's a goofball. You know because you're related to him. That guy, I've never met somebody so OCD in my life, okay? He had to fix the van before we left. But what he was doing is he was just using his gifts, same as you're doing. Use your gifts. When you use your gifts to advance the kingdom, God's doing something cool. I got to watch Tony, who hates it when I bring him up in a message, build a flower box. He's out there at the grow desk for a lady who needed it. And then there were so many of you, when I looked at you, had generously recently given to the building fund to help with the roof. I saw you do that. I saw what you were doing. You were investing in the mission. I saw those of you that saw a kid and you said, that kid can't afford to go. I'll sponsor them. That's a big deal. I know many of you prayed like crazy to see God change the lives of people recently in Buffalo and at Riverfest. When you do those things and you're sharing your treasure and you're sharing your time and you're sharing your gifting, you are advancing the kingdom and you are making a difference. That's what the gospel is all about. Where's God calling you to share? That's my question for you. Where is God calling you to share? That's why I love the second part of this verse where he says, you will rest. Notice he didn't say you'll retire. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. I read this for so many years as an American. Come back to what we started at the beginning. And I think allotted inheritance means stuff. And now that I've been a Christian a while, I read this and I go, I think the allotted inheritance is all the stuff that was interconnected that I didn't get to see. Every time you prayed for someone or you gave something or you did something, I think in heaven, it gets unveiled. It gets revealed. You had no idea when you literally drove by this thing and God commanded you to pray for an accident, how God spiritually moved in the life of that family because you prayed. I think in heaven, all that stuff gets peeled back. And then you get to see your allotted inheritance because God's inheritance has to do with people and not stuff. And you'll get to see that in eternity. And I think that's what Daniel got to see. Can you imagine in heaven when God pulled back what he had written in that book and he showed him every one of those Israelites that had been impacted? All the people of faith around them that didn't share his faith but saw his exceptional faith and how it changed their lives. I think he got to see that in heaven. I think that's what you and I will see if we engage in the mission. So here's one last thought for you. How well will you rest one day knowing that judgment is coming? Have you been that person that you've been so engaged in the mission that you know, I will rest well? Or when you think about the judgment, is it something right now that you go, I don't think I'm there. That's something I need to deal with. And if you need to deal with it, then guess what? That's why you're here today. You're here to deal with it. You're here to deal with the thing so that you can actually just hear from the Lord, keep on, keeping on. So what's your next step? I'm going to ask Chris to come up. Um, and I also want to brag on Chris for a second. Uh, since we ripped half the youth out of here, which is our band, and all the, the band members were on vacation different places, you all may not know this, but Chris actually created all the orchestration on his own for this Sunday's worship. So, yeah. So it wasn't a split track or anything like that. Like he created the drums, he created the bass, he created all that cool stuff because he's, he's cool like that. And uh, I'm thankful for his gifts and, uh, and Kevin working with him and his beautiful bride and wife to be able to help us with worship today. But as he gives us a moment of just playing some keys, I just want to give you a moment to think about and pray about where you are in the mission and where you are in your faith. 
if you're someone that you've never given your, your life to Jesus, okay, I want to make that very easy for you. You need to admit your sin specifically to God. Don't hold anything back. He already knows it because he knows all things. Put your hope and your belief and your trust in the person of Jesus alone because he died for your sins when he died on that cross. And when he paid for your sins, he paid for everything, past, present, and future. And when you believe that, the world has nothing on you. And then commit your life to Jesus's mission, whether it's financing that mission, being a part of that mission, serving in some way, but there's a place for you to serve and there's a place for you to use your gifts. And I just want to give you a moment to think about that. And maybe on your connect card, if you're like, I don't know where that is or I struggle, be real, be genuine, be honest. Just tell me what's going on. And my promise to you is I'll follow up with you and I'll help you take the next step, whatever it is, whether it's to engage in greater prayer, maybe God's birthed a dream in you about uh, a ministry for this community and you don't know how to get it off the ground. You put it there. And let's just spend some time praying and thinking about what God's asking us to do to respond to the mission he's called all of his people to. And then I'll share briefly with you at the end. Let's spend some time with him in silence. demonstrated for us we turn from the way that we were headed 
we commit to your mission to serve you in this community in our family we trust how you're going to work all that out and all God's people said Amen